We turn to number 466 in the Trinity Psalter. As we prepare to hear God's Word this morning, number 466, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. We're going to sing all four verses. Let's stand together as we sing. This morning, God's Word comes to us from Romans chapter 4, Romans 4, and we're going to read the 25 verses of this chapter. Romans 4, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, 
he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as, has, as he had been told so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of the Trinity Psalter hymnal, uh, the back section, page 862. 
This is the Belgic Confession of Faith, and this morning we will read Article 22. That's found near the bottom of the second column of page 862. Article 22 entitled, The Righteousness of Faith. We believe that for us to acquire the true knowledge of this great mystery, the Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts a true faith that embraces Jesus Christ with all his merits and makes him its own and no longer looks for anything apart from him. For it must necessarily follow that either all that is required for our salvation is not in Christ, or if all is in him, then he who has Christ by faith has his salvation entirely. Therefore, to say that Christ is not enough, but that something else is needed as well as is needed as well, is a most enormous blasphemy against God. For it then would follow that Jesus Christ is only half a Savior. And therefore, we justly say with Paul that we are justified by faith alone, or by faith apart from works. However, we do not mean properly speaking that it is faith itself that justifies us, for faith is only the instrument by which we embrace Christ, our righteousness. But Christ Jesus is our righteousness, crediting to us all his merits and all the holy works he has done for us and in our place. And faith is the instrument that keeps us in communion with him and with all his benefits. When those benefits are made ours, they are more than enough to absolve us of our sins. This is our confession of faith. Well, we are in that beautiful section of the Belgic Confession that talks about the glories of our salvation. Belgic Confession 21 through 26, about our salvation. We talked last time about the atonement the atonement being made at one again with God, a holy God and an unrighteous mankind brought together through the suffering servant, through the work of Jesus Christ. We, talk about, we talked about the atonement as sacrificial and as substitutionary. He took all the punishment. We received all of the blessing. And now we move on this morning in our study of the Word of God as summarized in the confession to ask the question, how is it that we appropriate these blessings? We know what Jesus has done. He has done work on our behalf. How is it we appropriate this glorious truth? Is it through something that we need to do? What must we do to have all of this truth be ours? And we are going to see that this morning, the confession reflecting the truth of Scripture says these blessings are ours not because of something that we do. They are ours by faith alone. Paul is in Romans 4 in the midst of an argument uh, demonstrating that it is not our works that make us righteous. It is faith in Jesus Christ that is counted as righteousness. And so we look at Romans 4 this morning under that theme, faith counted as righteousness. Paul, Paul uh, while at some times he can be very deep, at some times he's so uh, accessible. 
And even in this difficult topic, he gives us some very basic principles. Uh, Look at verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. To the one who works, his wages are not a gift, but they are his due. Children, your parents, your mom or your dad, or perhaps both, uh, go off to work. And when they work, they make money. That money is not a gift to them. It is something they have earned. Maybe you kids don't know this, but I get paid to work. I know it's hard to believe. I get paid to do what I do. And and when that happens, the deacons don't come to me and say, Reverend Niemeyer, here's a gift for you when they give me my paycheck. They say, this is what you are due. When someone works, what they get is not a gift, but it is the fulfillment of an obligation. A very basic uh, economic principle. When you work, you get paid, not as a gift, but as that which is your due. Paul says, while that is true with regard to economics, That is not the case in salvation. It is not that we have to do works in order to be righteous before God. We're kind of picking up in the midst of his argument here, but back in chapter 3 in verse 20, he said this, Now, by works of the law, no human being will be justified. Works are not the principle on which we are justified. Works are not the principle by which we are counted as righteous. He goes on to say in verse 5, And to the one who does not work but believes, his faith is counted as righteous. How do we appropriate this glorious truth? It is not through what we do. It is through belief. It is through faith. To the one who believes the truth of what Jesus Christ has done, that faith is now counted as righteousness. And Paul, in Romans chapter 4, gives us two examples from history. In typical rabbinical style of arguing, you would try to find a historical example that would prove your point. That's what Paul does here. And he begins with Abraham. Abraham, who who we might think of an example of works being that which makes us righteous. Because think what Abraham did. Abraham leaves the Ur of Chaldees, travels many, many miles, goes, follows the direction of God, does whatever God tells him. Abraham did so much. You might say, look at all Abraham did. Certainly, his works were what made him counted as righteous. We read in verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about. Verse 3, what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham 
believe. If anyone could say, look what I've done, it's Abraham. He followed God. He traveled. He went all over the place. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed. His faith counted as righteousness. His second example, David. David, the king of Israel. David, the finest king they ever had. Verse 6, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Righteousness apart from works. And then he quotes from Psalm 32, that same psalm we read earlier this morning in our confession. And nowhere in that psalm is there a works principle. It's a faith principle. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin because he believes, not because he has done something. Paul gives very simple, basic principles. If we work, we get paid. But in salvation, we do not work. We simply believe. And that faith is counted as righteousness. He goes on in this section of his argument answering another question. Well, okay, if, if it's faith and not works that are counted as righteousness, who gets this blessing? Who is this for? Is this for the Jews only? Verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Circumcision, that act by which they were incorporated into the people of God, that, that, that act of obedience, that work which they did. Is it for the Jews who are circumcised that this is the case, or is it for others? He says, For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? Was his faith counted as righteousness after he had done something? After he'd been obedient? After he'd been circumcised. Is that why his faith was counted as righteousness? What is Paul saying? Was it after or before? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He hadn't done the work first and then his faith counted righteousness. In fact, verse, verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. His faith counted as righteousness, not his works, not this work of obedience. In fact, this afternoon, I would encourage you to read Genesis 15 and to read Genesis 17. In Genesis 15, we have the promise made to Abraham, and we are told there, when the promise is given, Abraham's faith is counted as righteousness. It's not until chapter 17, 14 years later, that he is given the sign of circumcision and undergoes circumcision. It's not that the obedience came first and then, by faith, he's counted righteous. No, the faith comes first. Faith in the promise of God. So is it for the circumcised, for the Jews only? Verse 11, 
He received the seal of the, of the circumcision, a seal of the righteousness he had by faith while he was uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Not only Jews, but Gentiles too. Those who had not been circumcised. He is the father of all believers. He is the father of those who have faith. And, and, and to them also, that faith is counted as righteousness. That's, that's the hope that we have today. That, that we, are, we are found before God as righteous, not because of anything we have done, but because we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done. If if you are here today and have been living a good life, living according to the law, trying to earn God's favor, then I have good news for you. You can rest from that. Because our good works will never match up to God's holy standard. And yet, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that faith is counted as righteousness. Perhaps, perhaps you're here this morning and have never thought of doing anything good toward God. Perhaps you're here this morning and you say, you know, my life, my actions, what I have done are so, so uh, offensive to God. He would never receive me. Well, I have good news for you. It is not what you have done that will make you righteous before God. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. Place your faith in what He has done and know the assurance of salvation. For those who are circumcised, for those who are uncircumcised, for Jew and for Gentile, for all who place their faith in Jesus Christ, we have this glorious truth. Our faith counted as righteousness. And that, that faith, he goes on to explain, a faith in spite of what things might look like around us. In verse 16. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. For it's written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of God in whom we believe, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that don't exist. In hope, he, Abraham, believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, or we consider the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Even in the face of death, he put his trust in God's promise. He saw his body as good as dead, his wife's as well. And yet he trusted, he believed God would do what he had said. He put his faith, his trust in the power of the promise of God. 
We've talked about the faith of Abraham. Uh, It's very easy for us to say, well, look, look, faith then, faith then is that one good work we have to do so we can be righteous before God. It's not the greatness of our faith that gives us security. It is the greatness of the power and the promise of God. It is is faith in what He has promised He would do and He has done. I like how our confession puts that in Article 25. It says this, 22, However, we do not mean, properly speaking, that it is faith itself that justifies us. For faith is only the instrument by which we embrace Christ, our righteousness. But Jesus Christ is our righteousness, crediting to us all his merits and all the holy works he has done for us and in our place. And faith is the instrument that keeps us in communion with him and with all his benefits. Properly speaking, we are not saved by faith. We are saved through faith. We are saved by the grace of God because he has chosen to call the people for his very own. And and we appropriate that truth through the instrument of faith. You can ask my catechism students what faith is like as an instrument. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they'll tell you faith is like a garden hose. Ask them after church, how is faith like a garden hose? It is the instrument by which we appropriate all of these blessings. And and elsewhere in the confessions, elsewhere in Scripture, faith itself is a gift of God. It is not our faith that saves us. It is Jesus Christ who saves us. And we appropriate, we appreciate that glorious blessing by placing our faith in Him. Paul concludes, verse 22, That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him and who raised from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The work of Christ was for all who put their faith and trust in him. He was raised for our justification, raised from the dead, more serious than uh, Abraham's advanced age or Sarah's barren womb, more serious than that death. Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead for our justification. And in him we have everything necessary for salvation. Again, once more from the confession. We read, it must necessarily follow that either all that is required for our salvation is not in Christ, or if all is in him, then he who has Christ by faith has his salvation entirely. He who has Christ by faith has his salvation entirely. This morning we have heard a profession of faith. 
profession of Jesus Christ as the one who's done everything necessary to secure salvation. This morning we come to the table of the Lord. We have the body and blood of Christ, signs and seals before us. And you will be told, take, eat, remember, believe. Faith counted as righteousness. Oh, we thank God for the simplicity of the gospel. Not a list of things we have to do, but recognize what Christ has done. Recognize the power of the promise of God that for all who embrace Him, there will be salvation. And put your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank You and we praise You for the beauty and glory of Your Word, the beauty and glory of the Gospel. If there are those here this morning, O oh God, who've been laboring to find your favor, help them to rest. Rest in Jesus Christ and what he has done. If there are those who are here who have never done anything, had any concern for you at all, may you work in their hearts this morning that they might have that blessed instrument of faith to hear this truth and to embrace this truth as their own. We believe in the power of the promise of the gospel, that for all who believe, there will be life now, and life in eternity. Thank you, O God, for strengthening our souls unto that eternal life. Hear us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.